0: Welcome to the Work-Life Balance Project. Welcome back to the Work-Life Balance Project. In case you forgot, this is your host, Stephen Olson. We've been on pause for the last couple months, but I'm really excited to be back. This week's interview is with Alex Weaver. He's the Regional Sales Director for the Grand North America. I'll let him do most of the introducing for himself. But let me just say up front that we're really excited to have him on the podcast, and he had some really good things to say. With that, let's get right to the interview. Alex, thank you so much for being on the Work-Life Balance Project. We're really excited to have you.
1: Thank you, Steve. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Great. Can we just get to know you a little bit?
1: Well, I live in Dallas, Texas, out of out in the country. I've been married for 15 years and my role professionally is a regional sales manager. I'm overseeing sales in the western half of the U.S. So most weeks I'm hopping on a plane, going out to see customers.
0: Wow. How long have you been with your company?
1: Uh, the company I've been with this company for 10 years and I came into the company through an acquisition. So I've been kind of in the same role for, for a number of years, um, typically traveling. And so since the kids and families know me, I, dad typically gets on a plane on a Monday and comes back later in the week.
0: Huh. Yeah, that's quite the job. And so, and how many kids do you have?
1: I've got two boys. Uh, they're close to age 12 and a 13-year-old that's almost 14.
0: That's awesome. Tell me a little bit about how you met your wife and, and got married and all that. Well,
1: we met in Kansas. I grew up in the Northeast and went to graduate school out in Kansas. And we were together in graduate school and started dating off and on and then finished up school, dated off and on. And now we've been married for 15 years. And I've been living in Texas, I think I'm up to a little over 17 years now.
0: Gotcha. So do you feel like a native Texan? I do. By this
1: time, yeah, your blood's thinned out from the heat (laughs) and the cold starts to bother you.
0: Yeah, I I feel you. And is she from Texas as well?
1: No, she grew up in Kansas. She grew up on a farm in Kansas. So I mentioned that we live in the Dallas area. We're more on the outskirts. So we've got a little hobby farm with a bunch of animals and critters that uh, keeps her busy. That's where her passion is.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, tell me about that. You've told me before about how many, what animals you have and what you have going on.
1: Well, it's it's always changing, so I can kind of tell you what's going on today. And tomorrow (laughs) we might need to talk to, to add a few more. But we've really been into horses over the years, so we've got a few horses right now. And then over the last few years, we picked up some goats. Uh, We have two sheep, two llamas, pot-bellied pig that sleeps outside, a few dogs, some chickens, a few turkeys, and a few ducks in the pond. Wow. Plus plus a barn cat or two.
0: Wow. I'm guessing that she's the one that handles all of that.
1: She's the manager of the farm, yeah.
0: She's the manager of the farm. That's awesome, and she enjoys it? She does, and
1: one of her kind of side hobbies is she typically takes uh, beginning horse riders to give them some lessons to kind of get them to more intermediate level. Oh, that's cool. That's one of her passions.
0: That's great. So we hear the words work-life balance get thrown around a lot, and it sounds like you have a ton going on in your family and at work, and you're a sales director, so you are gone a lot. So what does work-life balance mean to you? How, how do you define that?
1: It's a hard one. I think sometimes maybe it's easier to, to look at when it's not in balance. And, and to me, the signs there are obviously stress, being short with one another, whether it's within the family environment or, or at work, things just kind of stress you out. It's got, obviously, we've got a lot going on. And I think one of the things over the years I've caught myself is the kind of monotony of the day. You get too much caught up in the daily grind and lose sight of the, the important things, the priorities in your life. So those are the things I've been trying to be cognizant of over the years and trying to be sensitive to both for myself as well as my wife and, and then our relationship with our kids.
0: Does any particular experience come to mind when you think about a time that it was out of balance?
1: Oh, there, yeah, there surely has been. There's been seasons where between work stress or just life stress is getting to you. I'd say one of the, the tools or techniques I, I try to think about because we can we can always kind of scratch on a piece of paper of things you want to do this year, resolutions. I spend more of my time now of things I'm not going to do because to do something I've got to give up something else and so learn lower priorities and so I can kind of protect things that I think are more important whether it's family time or work time or I try to go out and get some exercises and you know, keep my head clear so those are the things that, A, are priorities, and so the other things, i got to really make secondary.
0: Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things that fall in the secondary category for you?
1: Uh, you know, for us, we, we, we're a family that watches very little TV. If we want to go do something, it's much more trying to be outside, being outdoorsy, uh, either with the animals, even little things of just going for a walk. Right now, we've got five dogs, so we've got, well, there's plenty, there's a dog to go around for every hand to hold. <laughs> You know, th- things like that. It's it's more of what do we want to do? And so for me, to me, there's little value in most of the TVs. I don't really watch much for for movies. It's spending time and being outside and with the animals. I didn't grow up on a farm. I grew up in suburbia. It's it's interesting because it's it really slows you down. And a typical week, Monday through Friday, I'm hopping on an airplane and going into meetings and meeting people. But most folks probably have dogs, have dogs or cats over the years. And uh, even basic house animals, you know what you got within the first few minutes. There's a there's a truth and honesty within them. And that's being around the animals. It's just, it's very simplistic. It's very straightforward. And I, I'd also say that, as my wife's kind of pitch of saying, uh, you know, the world's starting to move very fast. She wants to have a little small farm. And now that we're going to have some kids, it's a great way to teach them to raise them up. And you know, I bought into that. But what I also realized I bought into are some really neat neighbors hmm. that the people that value animals and spend a lot of time outside, they have very similar values as us. And so some people to rely on and just have strong beliefs in what they believe in and a willingness to help others. There's a real sense of community in, in, in this metropolitan of Dallas, Fort Worth.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. So I imagine all of this has sort of evolved over time. And I think... You can offer a really interesting perspective because a lot of the people that I've interviewed on the podcast previously have been at a, at a slightly earlier stage in life. They have younger kids still, and so they're working with some of the the nuances of just trying to be there so that the kids can survive. But now you're at this yeah. you're at this you've you've sort of evolved over time, and you're at this level where your kids can get along more or less without. Your direct supervision all the time, but now is when you get to really build some meaningful time with them that they can contribute back and forth. So, how how has that evolved? You know, how was it at the beginning when you had little children and you were on the road all the time, and then how has that evolved over time?
1: Well, I think you're appropriate. It's when the kids are very little, it's just keeping them healthy and clean and safe. You know, it's kind of the basics there. And now that my wife and I can sneak out of the house here and go across town to pick up some errands and leave the kids alone, little things like that. But how it's evolved, I think, is, you know, they're they're small adults. You can have real conversations. We can can talk about whether we see something on television or in a social environment and, and decipher what they saw and talk about people and how the interaction was. And just trying to teach them to grow up to be responsible adults and, and being sensitive to the environment you're in. I don't I wouldn't think it's a smooth transition. There's just periods where you, you, you maybe get caught in, in a style of parenting or um, a philosophy on how to raise the kids. And then one day you got to kind of sit down and stop and really evaluate that, man, there's probably a better way to do it. Either because the kids have matured to a different level Or maybe you're not the best parent you can learn a different tactic so I I, it's yes it's changed over over time uh, but it's probably a lumpy it's not a smooth transition there's times where you're gonna you go sit back and realize that that didn't really work and (laughs) and then of course we got two kids and their personalities are different their approaches are different different level of sensitivities so it's just kind of gathering that and and figuring out and I'd say that all the other key is is good communication with your partner. It's figuring out because we have two parents, where our our approach is a little bit different, and trying to communicate more on how to treat each child that that seems to be optimum for them to learn in, in a positive environment.
0: Yeah, I like that. I mean, clearly it's it's a two-person effort. You need to be aligned with the priorities of your spouse, and and both of you need to be aligned in what you think is best for the kids. You know,
1: fortunate to marry a very strong woman that's very independent. And that allows me to leave the home. And, and she's she's mom and dad when I'm not around for, for quite a while.
0: Do you think she, she was always like that? Or do you think she sort of grew into that role knowing that you'd be gone all the time?
1: Oh, even when we were dating, I was traveling. I've always had kind of either a field sales position where I, I manage a territory. And over the years, it's changed. But right now, I'm, I'm covering multiple states. Uh, in, in major markets so it's it's pretty typical I'm, I'm gone three weeks out of a month maybe four when it's real bad and ideally it's two weeks hmm. so she's really most of the time she's the primary caregiver and so she's kind of sets the structure and then my job that I try to pull is when I'm home to be rested enough to give her a little bit of respite when I can as well as being more engaged with the kids but yeah. that, that's, that, that's the tricky part it's, it's tricky in a sense that Traveling wears you down, and meetings and workload trip wear you down, but you gotta come back and try to be present for your family.
0: What does that look like for you? What is what is being present? What, what kinds of things do you do with them?
1: It's not just doing that. I think for me, a lot of times, I'm, over the years, I, I've, I got into cycling and then triathlons, and right now I'm doing some ultra-triathlons, so that's very long distance running. And so when I run a few times a week, that clears my head. And an ideal Saturday morning, I'm getting up early, crack of dawn, going out running for a few hours, come back, have a big breakfast, shower up, and then I'm ready to be present. And So that's kind of my, my ideal schedule that I know I can take some personal time, unplug, I sometimes run with some friends, and you know, just socialize and talk about life and things like that. And then I'm coming back. And it's usually some kind of activity or something like that with the kids. And it doesn't have to be much or it doesn't have to be, something high profile that we're going to post on Facebook and everyone's going to ooh and gog over it. It's more about, it's really more about the little things. It's about we're going to have lunch together and we're going to have a, try to make a healthy meal and the kids are getting to the point now. Let's teach them a little bit about cooking in the kitchen and yeah, having a balanced meal, not just things that they, they like, but something with colors and vegetables maybe on the plate. So it's those types of little activities that I enjoy doing with them.
0: Mhm. Yeah, that's really good. I like the Focusing on the little things, not necessarily the large uh, social media attractive activities. So let's say you go out of town for a week and and you come back and just like something doesn't feel right. Like you're just not clicking with your family well or something. How do you recognize that and know that something needs to change?
1: Well, whether sometimes I can recognize it and, and sometimes my wife calls me on it. <laughs> Which is great. I mean, That's really I, good. Yeah. There's there's an honesty there, and, and it's uh, she's known me over the years, and, and I think that for for the listeners there, you've got to have a partner that, that not only you trust, but got the best interest of your family. And there's times where she said, you know, you, you, ought to, you ought to go out for a run,
0: <laughs> or go
1: out and, and, and just take a break. You know, for her, her unplugging is going out and doing morning chores for the animals. No phone, go out and see the animals, see what's been going on. Maybe we get some rain. Maybe it's wintertime, we've to move some hay around, whatever it might be. And it's, it lets you unplug. But you know, everyone's got a smartphone and maybe a tablet and a computer and you're checking emails and it's just this push, push, push. And, it's, and unless you kind of slow down and take a deep breath and smell the air, fresh air out there, uh, we get too caught up. And, and so when you ask me, well, what are some of the signs? It's like I, I'm short-tempered. I'm not really thinking about the family as much as I think I should on, you know, like a Saturday afternoon, two or three o'clock, we ought to be doing something, whether it's in the kitchen making cookies or whether it's um, going somewhere or, you know, some kind of activity together. Mm -hmm. Um, And if my heart's not there, then I know I got to work on myself.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Do you feel like your family life makes a difference on how you work when you're on the road?
1: Um... It does. I, I try to do my best when I'm traveling is to get as much work as I can get done. So if I'm on the road, I, I, I cover two different time zones right now. If I'm out in California time, I'm, I'm getting up very early. I usually go for a run and then I'll do some work and then we'll go out, make sales calls with customers. Get, after dinner, I try to do some work. So the goal for me is when I come home Thursday or Friday, that I've got pretty much most of my work done. I really don't have to touch my work over the weekend, and I can be with my family and get some balance of exercise and doing something social. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it really drives me to do those types of things on the road. It's not only trying to be the primary earner within the house; it is trying to model the right behavior mm-hmm. and a goal. You know, a personal goal for me is that when the days end, I gotta feel proud of what I've done and accomplished for the day to put my head on the pillow. Yeah. And if I haven't done that, then the goal the goal the next day is to improve upon
0: that. Right. Yeah. One of the goals I, I think of this podcast in general is I want to sort of anecdotally make the argument that having a family impacts you professionally in a in a positive way. I think it's foolish to say, "Oh, you can't be successful in your career if you have if you don't have a family," because that's obviously not true. So it's it's not about saying that you are you know more successful or more impressive as a professional if you have a family. But really, I think it's about what is it about having a family that can make you a better professional? What are some of the ways that it impacts your professional life?
1: Uh, I'm cognizant of my time management on the road. So I'm trying to maximize as much of the road work, work I can do on the road as I can. I would say, um, you know, there's a level of accountability. So, to be a good provider for my family, and we can talk on a financial level that I work hard and, and make a decent living to have, you know, the luxuries we want to have at home. And so now we have a, two kids and a wife. We got a lot of two legged and four legged critters <laughs> running around our farm. So, there's, so there's that, that aspect to, to live the lifestyle that we want to live. And I, I just also think it's, it's, it's trying to show our kids that it just does take a lot of hard work. And whatever it could be, and whether it's you can talk about working on a, at a professional level or picking up, you have a passion for music and studying music and practicing music. It takes good things in life take a lot of work and take sacrifice. And as the kids get older, we talk about more, kind of more openly that, hey, I worked a lot of hours. I've got to get up five o'clock in the morning on Monday morning to catch an airplane so I can be present and ready for a meeting at ten or eleven o'clock, depending on where I'm going. And, and those are things that dad's willing to do for the family, not to, to brag about it, but it's, it's that's what it takes at times to, to get ahead and to be successful. But on the weekend, if we want to uh, pick up another animal or critter or something like that, that's going to have more expense to us, we have the opportunity to do so. Yeah. So just trying to show those types of trade-offs regarding managing others, uh, you know, you can see it because it's especially that the folks that I work with are salespeople, they have a territory, they spend a lot of nights on the road, so they're going through similar types of struggle and strains with mm-hmm. their kids, and they have different ages of their kids, whether you know still in diapers, or maybe they're starting off in college, and there's financial strain, and just the psychological strain, and maturity and puberty, all those different kind of ebb and flows of, of childhood to young adulthood. I can connect with them at, at some level.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure that makes you a better manager i think uh i don't know if you're familiar with clayton christensen but one of his books i i just remember this quote that he said that that being a manager is one of the most influential positions in a company because you not only influence things in the company you actually influence the lives of people you know how how well you treat them is often how well they'll treat their family at home or something and so you being able to relate to that i'm sure goes a long way that's really good are there any family traditions that you guys have that you feel bring you together?
1: We, we do, in a, in a broader, more extended family, we have some things around like Thanksgiving, around Christmas, New Year's, um, th- those types of things. This weekend, our kids had just started school up here in, in, in North Texas, and uh, that we've got our first track meet. So they're going cross country, so they got a first meet coming up, and they weren't so much enthralled with the whole idea because Dad does a lot of running, but... <laughs> They're making progress. And again, it's something like you know, whether they're running for going for X run five years from now or 10 years from now, I don't think it's as important as putting into work now and trying something, learning something. Maybe they'll fail. Maybe it'll be successful.
0: Mm-hmm. That's fun. I think you've mentioned that you're also pretty involved in your church, right? I am. Tell yeah, me, tell a, me about that.
1: We live out here kind of in the country. So I go to the country church. Uh, one of my, my roles is the finance chairman at the church. So overseeing budgets and planning, kind of longer term planning of the church.
0: That's even more time that you give other places. How big of a commitment is that and how does it impact your family?
1: It, it's a commitment, but it's like, you know, you, you look at your gifts and, and numbers just make sense to me. I, my background in psychology and people and interactions with people is, is where my, my educational background is but working spreadsheets working numbers building budgets building a plan is really become one of my strong suits over the years and we were part of a church that uh, i was on the finance committee and then we merged with another church in town kind of get get a little bigger and i got nominated to to run it so
0: Hmm.
1: um it it doesn't take a a whole lot of of time because we're we're well run we're, we're well disciplined and and to me it's important again it's important to get back I feel like I have something to offer and the church body still wants me around. So I'm enjoying <laughs> what I'm doing and enjoying trying to contribute and giving back.
0: That's really cool.
1: We have gifts. We have special skill sets that, that we're all kind of a little different. And you got to kind of figure what you have and, and give back or share some way. And that that's one of the things I do. Um, it's important to me. It's important to our family to, to contribute.
0: Yeah, that's inspiring. I like that a lot. So I ask this question to everybody. If you had to only give one piece of advice or, or one replicable strategy that you have in your family for managing the demands of your work and the demands of your family, what would that piece of advice be?
1: I think it would be, you know, sit down with your spouse in a private area and really figure out what your, what your priorities are. And start making a checklist of things you're not going to do, and and, and B, maybe the word militant might be too strong a word, but you have got to be aggressive about things that are going to sneak up and suck up time and not add value to your life, whatever life you want to choose to live and how you want to live. But things that don't add value, that they're going to be time sucked, or you know, we can always talk about you know, the neighbor or a distant relative or a distant friend. That it's always very negative. You're around them, you, you have a conversation, they spend half an hour of your time and you don't learn anything, you don't contribute anything, and they're just a Debbie Downer. So mm-hmm. I would my, my advice would be really look at what your priorities are and, and really start making a checklist of things you're not gonna do. And yeah. hopefully that will allow you to free up time and, and energy to do the things that you really that are important to you and your family.
0: I think that's because really to, interesting that you give it in that order. You know, most people would say, fill in your priorities and then everything else takes the other stuff. But I like that you say, you know, know your priorities, but then evaluate the things that are going on in your life and point out the ones that are time sucks and figure out a way to get rid of it. It seems much more targeted to me. Figure out what it is that's not adding value to your life and pull it out.
1: That's one of the things I've learned over over the years. And and maybe it's just the um, hypermedia world we live in whether I want to get content off my phone or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, there's so much we can do and get distracted by. It's too easy to get distracted. Mm -hmm. So the approach here is really kind of shielding away those little foxes that are going to come into the garden and, and take things that are important of you. And, you know, know, one or two foxes don't seem too obtrusive, but over time it's going to wear stuff away. And so you got to protect that. And that's, that's what we're trying to do at our house, you know, both on a time and, and how we invest our, our energy.
0: Yeah. Just to push it a little farther, you've mentioned a lot of TV. Uh, what are some other time sucks that you've found that you've tried to remove?
1: Limit stuff like on Facebook. You know, we, we do stuff as family, uh, doing activities. So we try to eat healthy here. You know, Little things like when we make a, a meal at our house, we'll make enough, so so we're a family of four, we'll make enough probably for 10 or 12 people, and we'll have leftovers next three or four days, and yeah, by this third day, we're kind of getting tired of it, but it's a quick meal, and then we'll make another big batch, and so things like that, kind of food planning, and and menu planning, and and so that saves time, and also we can start having a discussion, okay kids, you know, we're going to have more than peas and carrots for a vegetable today, what options do you, you know, we've, we give them a few options to choose from, so we can kind of do some of that.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. That's a, uh, I've heard that a lot of people gripe about meal prep time. It's not time that you really get to be with your family. So, just knock it out all at once. That's a good, it's a good strategy.
1: Like kind I of wanted to try to teach that. You know, it's it's uh, maybe the generations coming up. It's almost more of a lost art. But it's you know, you kind of think there's a lot of science to it. How you mm-hmm. cook foods and different temperatures and you know things you can kind of try to be educational within the the kitchen and responsible about heat and temperatures and don't burn stuff.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. So there's always opportunities to teach. It's just like trying to slow down to to be mindful that we're not just doing a task; we're trying to raise an adult and model the right behavior.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Alex. I think you've contributed some really good insights about. Narrowing in on your priorities and getting rid of the the time sucks and, and just your overall ability to be conscious of how much your family needs you both for financial aid and also just for, to be an example and things like that. And being consciously aware of when you are balancing work and family well and when you're not, I think is really helpful, especially coming from someone who's on the road all the time. That's not an easy position.
1: If you want to do a lot in life, you, you need a good anchor. I think that's you know that's the key. It's well, I'm learning that just having a strong spouse that can be there for you. And they're not strong all the time because sometimes you got to be the stronger of the two. But
0: it's totally true. You know, yeah, it's you know, been
1: I, I anchor as a as a spouse, and then you you. Know, you uh, I I think you needed spiritual anchor as well. You know to kind of keep your guidance on what the right, correct direction to go. Stephen, thanks for the opportunity here. And, and by no means I'm not perfect. You know, there's some weeks that I'm better. Other weeks I gotta get corrected and you gotta take a few steps backwards, but it's I think it's 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 a learning process and you just gotta try to be sensitive of what you're spending your time on.
0: Yeah, I think it's excellent advice and it's true nobody's perfect, but I think if we all come together and share some strategies, we can learn from each other and hopefully all be a little bit better every week. Thanks a lot for your time, I appreciate it.
1: You're welcome, Stephen. Take care now.
0: there you have it. Thanks again to Alex for being on the show, and thanks for the advice that you gave. I really liked how he talked about not only focusing on your resolutions and the things that you do want to do, but focusing on the things that you don't want to do because they're time wasters or time sucks. It's really easy to let our lives get superficially involved with All the social media and news and the other things that are constantly floating around us. But those things don't always add the value that we'd like them to when it comes to our family. In the words of Alex, good things in life take a lot of work. Finding the work-life balance that's right for you isn't just going to fall in your lap. It's something that has to be intentional. I'm confident that if you take Alex's advice and you find some of the things in your life that are wasting time you'll be able to better provide a work-life balance that's right for your family and for your work. This is the Work-Life Balance Project, and we'll see you next week. Hey everyone, thanks for sticking around. If you want to tell us about how you manage your work and your family, you can find us on Instagram, at the Work-Life Balance Project. We love hearing about how having a family drives you to be a better professional. Please don't forget to subscribe to our show. We'll be here every week wherever you get your podcasts.